to do mitzvahs for me. And then we'll see. It's not gonna. It's not gonna so, help you connect to Hashem. So like at first, I thought. I, I thought like machlokas. Like in the my my reason for doing this piece of machlokas was, I thought it connects to that. But then I realized there's really two different things. There's there's machlokas, and then there's losisnas achicha milvavacha. Meaning, one, like I, I think the mistake I made is one could be overly machmer to avoid machlokas, but then walks back right into the problem of losisnas achicha milvavacha. And if someone wants to deal with they walk smack right into creating machlokas. So I I thought that this piece was well, sorry, that this piece of the art would help me get clarity, but it, it, it didn't. But I decided I was going to say it anyways, but it, it doesn't get the clarity as much. So I was just curious, like, just what's going on here? Is, is, it, is it really true that if you have a tie on someone, you don't tell them someone you're you're now over los sisters a chiva vavecha like this. What, what how, how does it make any sense? What what is going like what is the healthy way to deal like let's say you don't have the skills to to be able to relate your time on someone in a healthy way and avoid machlokas and this that so now you're over los sisters a chiva vavecha. Um. It does seem from the Rambam that uh, if somehow it's not possible to talk to the person for whatever reason, that um, then you could try to remove the sinner from your heart um, on your own. But uh, I cannot easily. Also, if, if, the, if, if I have the shortcoming, I don't know if it's easier when you spell it out either, but is that even, even, but like, even if, if, if this, let's say I'm the one with the shortcoming that I can't relate by tying in a healthy way where the back and forth could create a, a closer connection after the taina and it just creates more machlokas, the, the, the Rama would apply there as well. I imagine the, the question is, is there the real question will be, a question, are you supposed to let the person know? That um, that situation is not a good situation. <laughs> that you really are very upset at them, but you really um, don't know how to uh, go about talking about it in a productive fashion. At least they know to protect themselves from any harm on your part against them. <laughs> in order to be on guard, in case you might want to be mazik them. <laughs> <laughs> But since nobody wants to suffer the embarrassment of that, so we have no choice but to um, employ major doses of Amunda Bitachan, Avas Yisroel, and, um, you know, the golden rule of what I would want for myself. And hopefully that can accomplish that, despite the fact that... It might, might be easier to just talk to them. There you go. Okay. <laughs> That's the other option. It might just be easier to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess the part that makes it very sort of confusing and difficult. Yeah, you, yeah go ahead. Do you do you hear the way I'm setting up the two like the double sided of the losis versus machlokas or that is there I think, like a different emotion that I'm missing? I think it's Kadai spell that out. Why why don't you elaborate on that and put it out there on the table? 
give 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 us a make believe scenario, um, you know, as make believe as possible, and uh, try to give try to give us that. Come that, home and your wife. Don't that dilemma. I'm sorry. My wife's in the room, so I have to be very careful. <laughs> no, not with your wife. No, it's got to be. It's got to be somebody at work. It's got to be somebody working. It can't be that personal. No, no. How about how about a Rebbe? Okay, fine. Rebbe? Okay, yeah, with the Rebbe. Okay, yeah. at, at work, it also could, you know, like, I mean, it's not, let's say, for example, one feels uh, slighted by a Rebbe or one feels, you know, that a Rebbe overlooked something or whatever it could be, some personal offense that the Rebbe had or did to him. Now there are there are many rebbeim who Bar Hashem could could understand and accept it, and the conversation could be positive. But there are other rebbeim where the big big headline going on now in news is called doubling down, where someone and a politician attacks someone, and then everyone goes after a politician. He doubles down and he like recements his attack. So there, right. there are many times when it, when you come over with hey I was slighted or hurt by what you did, the offender will double yeah. down. And either make excuses or will say, "Oh, you! I said that to you. You know what you've said to me. Whatever, all the you know negative or or derogatory or those types of conversations that could come out from it happen often. So instead of you had a you had a bad feeling in your heart, you had this issue, this resentment going on below the surface. You tried to bring it up, and then it just to me, what happens many times is it just bubbles and evolves into machlokas. So like besides just happiness, just as a good Jew, I'm stuck between two two things. I'm stuck between the, the resentment in my heart, which carries with it its own issues. And then, I'm, and then if it gets brought up, I'm stuck with this new thing that evolved into Mach Locus, which is, you know, has a lot of Mamar Chazal, you know, a lot against that as well. And that's what I mean. Like, to me, they seem to, to, to like, it's like a double-sided sword in a way. Right. So, okay, that's a very, uh, very valid dilemma, very real dilemma. Um, I have a thought, but I'm eager to hear what anybody else has to suggest first. If anybody has any recommendations for that kind of situation, or how how we how we can sort of try to understand it first, then even approach it. Okay, and then there's a, there's one more aspect to it is many times the, the people who avoid machokas could be labeled pushovers, right? What does that mean? It's yeah. not that they are the Oiv Shalom, Rodev Shalom, but rather they don't know how to stand up for the way they feel and certain, certain negative feelings that come out of that. I remember there was this person who I always viewed a little bit as a pushover. And then it turns out that there was once an issue and he stood up very strongly for the issue. And, and like it changed my like perspective of this guy that maybe not necessarily is he, he have a need of a pushover, but he decides to choose to be a pushover at certain times and he chooses to fight at other times. But like I also think that many times the avoiding of Machlokas is not coming from the strong source of understanding, you know, why Machlokas is bad or or trying to create shalom, it's more coming from an avoidance of a of a of a difficult situation. I'm just going to avoid it. Like, I I don't think that's the meat of oiv shalom per se. 
I hear. There's no doubt that um, to be able to present something in a way that anybody could hear it, you have to be very skillful. And for somebody to be able to be receptive is uh, not so common. So this this issue is very valid. And, you know, the, it sort of does not pay to do something which is not going to be productive, but rather only uh, sort of exacerbating, even if it's not going to cause machlokas, but if it's not going to do you any good, so then like, there's, there's no real toilet in it. Um, the only thing I could so think let's of... Say for example, let's say you want to... Yeah. Okay, you know, I, I guess it really depends on what kind of relationship it is. There could be some relationships where it's not really an option to just avoid it because that distance that is created, the barrier that's going to be created by that is, is, is so long-lasting it's bound to <clears throat> spread out and you know, do damage to the relationship um, in the ways that you can't afford to just let let it go, so to speak. So it's really kadai to try to find a way to reach the person to be able to have real communication. Sometimes it takes somebody very skillful to help with that. But in the kind of situations where, you know, you don't have to interact with that person in such a ongoing and very close way, so then I imagine that Hashem helps us according to our conditions, where we could use the method of the Torah of speaking to the person and letting them know how they hurt you, even though they may not have intended, and they could accept it, they can hear it. And we're supposed to use the method of the Torah. We shouldn't just say, you know, I don't need this and just, just blow it off. The Torah is directing us to use it. We should use it. And that's the best, most effective way. Uh, you know, the many Rishonim say that maybe the person will explain to me how I misunderstood. So there's always the possibility that my tying against them is a mistake. So it's could I give them a chance to explain that? Certainly if they ask Mechila directly, it's much better. What, what could previously have been a cause for distance can be turned around into a cause, cause for closeness. Somebody is able to appreciate it, will appreciate being spoken to in a respectful and so, you know, considerate fat and honest fashion. And you know, they'll apologize and everybody will become closer and learn from it. But where that's not a pot, where that's not possible. Uh, let's say, let's say, let's go ahead. Let's say, let's say it's not a relationship. Let's say it's a monetary thing. You hired someone to do work for you, and they charge you a thousand dollars, and you feel he didn't do the work, and he and he feels he did the work, and this and that. And then you, so you want to like speak up and say, hey, you know, I'm not paying you for this shoddy work. You didn't do what I agreed to. This and that. And then it turns into Mahlokas. Like, is there a Svara everywhere that says, you know, I'm Pater. I'm allowed to come in with my time the way it is. If the guy reacts a certain way, that, that's, that's my onus. I didn't do anything wrong with the way I, I brought up the issue. 
I, I understand maybe a greater excited could be mohel the money, but let's say I'm not at the position where I can be mohel that money. Is there such a story that says, hey, you know, I, I have a right to stand up for what I want to stand up for. And if the guy overreacts, what, what am I like? I'm only so you want me to do. He, he might dislike me, and, and I'll try my best to mend that relationship in the future. But, but I have a right to stand up for what, what I feel is right for myself. And you're you're saying that's even in a case where um, there could be difference of opinion, and it needs to be sort of helped out by a third party, or or it won't come to that. I don't know. I don't know if that's to go to that extent. But whenever there's an argument in, in money, there's always going to be two opinions. And uh, I don't think it's going to, you know, okay. he's and, going to uh, say this is what I agree to. You know, that extra thing's another two hundred dollars or whatever, whatever. Right. I hear. Um, I just happened to see this past Shabbos on one of the uh, very well-written Pasha sheets that was. Uh, in the yeshiva, that the Chavetz Chaim gave an etzah to people to put aside a shalom fund. <laughs> not, not as a chiyah, but as like a flimishur sadin, as part of their like stucker money, to put away money for the sake of shalom. Where if there would be a situation that can come to Machlokas, you draw off that account and you use that to uh, pay the person to avoid any bad feelings. And that's a mitzvah shalom account. So it could that's be, you know, such a method to use, right? <laughs> that's really, that is really, so, so, so okay, you have to, I guess you have to be rich enough or well off enough to have a shalom account as well. <laughs> Maybe it could be called Meister, I don't know, that's a different shayla, you know? If if uh, you know that really you're a putter, you're giving you money that that's you're allowed a taina for yourself, but it makes it creates it avoids machlokas. Could be that's a very great mitzvah, and it's could be you could use it for my my some money. I don't know. All right. All right. <laughs> okay, I want the I just had it the Aratzafon when he says Meriva bin Nusage Atora. To me, is like a little bit of like the beginning of the sugya of understanding machlokas. So I, I just I, yes. I just saw like two two three lines in there that I thought were interesting that I was going to share. So he, he the the lashon of machlokas in the Torah is the lashon of riv, and the Aretzafer the author points out many like three or four different situations where this lashon riv comes out. It's a there's a riv between Yaakov and Lavan. There's a riv between Roy Avram and Roy Lot. There's a riv between David Amelech and Shaul. Uh, possibly then the loss of Rav Lecha. Okay, maybe yes, maybe not. And then there's a loss of riv about the people in, in the Dor HaMab. So the the riv by Roy Avram and Roy Lot says, why is it a riv? He has a kasha. Like, I don't know, he doesn't have a kasha. He's like, why is it a riv? Those are machlokas and halacha. Do they have to be muzzled or not muzzled? So it says a very interesting line. It says, Since it wasn't totally clean, nikia, totally cleansed from a nikia, then Namar Zebetov, Ben Roy, Mikna Abu, Ben Roy, Mikna Lo. 
and Avram because of this riv, so I don't know how the altars explain the riv between Avram and Lot, but the riv between the Roy Avram and the Roy Lot because it wasn't the Kiyam in the meaning that within the, the, the Astoria or within the Machlokas and concept, do I have to be muzzled or not be muzzled? There was some Atzmas, some ego involved in that that took it into a riv. So just from right there, I just realized that, you know, the argument, of course, we're not going to be able to be lucky from the Negia Megami, but the more and more we could try to remove our personal stake to it, our personal battle, me versus you, and try to, like, clean myself from that as much as possible, then it takes it out from rib and turns into a kosher discussion between two people. I know a lot of times when a friend and I get get into a discussion, and then it starts off as a healthy discussion, and then maybe emotions start going, we always do a pause, and we say, like, what just changed? What's going on? Why did the Machlokas go from a conversation to, like, to, to our emotions getting boiled to, like, to the extent where we want to, like, just get him out of the house or this or that? So at some point, the conversation turned, sorry, the conversation turned from a discussion of a concept to, wait, he's, he's beating me, he's one-upping me, I'm one-upping him, or whatever, or, or this is a pet peeve of mine. You ever hear like the, the classic, oh, this is a pet peeve of mine. So, this is a pet peeve, so, so let's discuss that part too, but we're discussing this. Move your pet peeve to the second step. So I, I thought to me it was just it, it, it was just a clarity point. It's not a gross chiddush, but a clarity point that that within the machlokas when it's when there's the negia atzmas it turns it into a rib, and without it it could be a kosher discussion. Another one that I, I think that's that that's very nice to point out was the rib that yeah I'm sorry. Oh, it's very chashev that you can have that, and you can have that self awareness when things are getting escalated into emotional and pause it. That's very chashev. We should all try to copy that. I just wanted Thank to you. point that out. <laughs> that's a pat on the back, not a back scratch. That's amazing. You guys yeah. can see you, it, but that's called a pat on the back. That's right. You got thank it, man. <laughs> so now the next, the next. I thought you had some insights, right? Next time I'm not letting you say it. So the, the next one that he discusses is that he said that the people who were tormented by by uh, the Dora the Mabla, right? There was the Chamsin. He'd go after the guy. he forced him to give him money. It says that the victim was a riv towards the, uh, towards the other guy, right? So you have the bully and you have the victim. And they, they called the victim has this lashon, Rabbim Elu Aleidu, Melashon Meriva. So he says, what, what's the Meriva there? You have the bully on the victim. I, I get the bullies obviously in Meriva, but why is the victim in Meriva? So he says, Melashon Meriva, Shum Shayu Mechraf, Mecharfim Es Oshkeim. They would come back a little too sharp. So I realized just another Nakuda, when having a discussion, I, I guess I'll call this the exaggeration move. That I know, I remember Ray Trapper used to say, like, there's, there's nothing as belittling as exaggeration within a focus. I, I don't have the exact tights to it. I just know it makes sense because I've seen it. I can't explain exactly what it is about it. I'm willing to hear it, and even more than I would want to hear. But to me, that that's what this tights was that the, the victim, like, he, you have a right to stand up for yourself. Of course, you're getting bullied, but you don't have to go after the guy and call his, you know, and call his house small. 
Or you don't have to go after the guy and say he's a lousy athlete. Okay, you have a fight. So, so, so you tell him, hey, it's not fair what you did to me. Why would you take this item? It's rightfully mine. You're good. Why do you have to go after him and say his son's a jerk? Like, like a lot of times when a victim stands up for himself, he, he does a little bit more. So the, so the, the, uh, the author saying that, that was the rib because it says, Rubim Elu Al Elu, that is a two direction rib. Explaining how the victim was, was, was a rib to the bully. So he says that the idea that he was a little too strong with them. So I realized that too, like a lot of times when, you, when a person's in a discussion and you start, start trading blows in a way. Well, what does that have to do with the discussion? Once you're trading blows, you, it, it's also obviously it's Nagia Atmos that's going on there, but it's like, it's in a way, it's like a sea, it's a sim and like it highlights, wait a second, why all of a sudden did this bad shot and the three sigas ago come up? Right? We're, we're talking about chadistosis. Well, what did it have to do with what you thought his bab shot was four seconds ago, that other Rashi? So, like, when you see those extra blows flowing, it should set up an alarm. Wait a second. I'm getting carried away. There's something else going on here. There's more going on here than just trying to understand the Chantos. I'm just trying to, you know, work out this issue with my child or work out this issue with my boss or my employee or my coworker. When we're starting to trade blows. So that I just thought was another angle in, in the herring went like, like this, this I call more of a simon because I, I don't know if it's a different Nakuda than the Nagias Atmos, but, but it's a way to highlight it that there's, there's more going on than just the discussion. When, when you start trading blows and, and Red Chopper's words of exaggeration. The third one he says is just a, a wild schmooze that Moshe Rabbeinu, he went to Dustin and Aviram. I, I just think it's a halakha It's just it's a wild schmooze that that you know if you think about it, it's like it's like you take you know in our sagas who's a great person, maybe the Rashiva or whoever the great person that you could think of, or Rabbi Yashiv or whoever like someone who's, who in your mind is totally great, and then you have someone who, whose mom is so low life, like really really terrible midos. Not a not a kid at, at risk. A person who has bad midos, who's always attacking this guy, this just a brass knuckle fighter, you know, just a crazy, crazy human being. And that Rabbi Asher or the Rashiva would go out of their home, walk toward this person to make shalom, and if not, there would be some sort of kind of maybe a being It's not connected to the earlier part of what a riv is, or, or he says that would be that. That would be a rib also to not do that, but that, that, that's a very high level. But I, what, what I just thought was the idea that meaning a rib is not just Nagia Atzmas, it's not just trading blows, but it, it, it's also a rib if you want to, if I don't do what I can to try to ex, extract myself from this machlokas, right? It, it's a real machlokas, it, it, it got carried away, fine, it happened. Now it's the next day. What do I do? So if I have the ability to go over the guy and like say, hey, you know, I, I think I overreacted a little bit in our discussion or whatever it is, like if, if I have the ability to do that and I don't do that, that's also like a sort of the Torah has a little bit of a tina on us, on, on me that, hey, why didn't you do that to avoid the machlokas? So like, like just the idea, meaning like to me, the way I hear it is that that machlokas doesn't end when the interaction ends. Right? There could be a mistake in the thought process. The machlokas is here. Now it's gone. 
obviously it's, that, that's not the way you think. But I'm just saying, like a person can hear that. And my focus just stays to the to the to the discussion, to the fight, to the to the uh, whatever. And then it's gone. That's no to realize. Hey, the next day in the shoot, or or the next day you see the guy on the street, or the next interaction with the employee or with the coworker, there's remnants of that discussion. And sometimes that 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 sometimes like. If it's not ego, sometimes ego is telling me, let him come to me to apologize. Or, or sometimes ego is, is still alive, even that three, four days later, five years later. And ahead, the Torah has a certain expectation that one can 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 simmer and could could slow down and, and take away machokas. And I think it's my simbichol yom. I don't know. I mean, I think it is my simbichol yom that with a little humility could go a far way in machokas. I just wanted to allow me. Like, yeah. I just wanted to uh, on that point. Yeah, sorry. It's to be aware. I think that um, there is a koach in a person to really appreciate very deeply being spoken to in a respectful and honest way. So we're 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 like sort of hesitant because of the humility that it takes. But if we would know the potential of the other person really appreciating it, it's so appreciating it so much, the fact that not only are we humble and take the initiative, but that we try to speak to them in a sincere and respectful way, that that could help motivate us in the anticipation of a very deep, positive reaction from it. Potentially. Go ahead. Okay. So that's all. No, so this, these were just my thoughts on the idea, and then, yeah, you know, that's really that's really it. I just, I just, it's, it's like the three weeks now, and just the idea. Know that it's a little crazy. The, all the machlokas in Klali shows—it's pretty, it's pretty scary, in a way. When when you realize like that, we're we're really all family, and we're really all you know, like it. There is, in the Chedusha Leiv, there's a phenomenal shmuz with Pinchas. According to the Sephorno, the reason why Pinchas killed Zimri in public was because he wanted them. He wanted Klali to have a kapara for not being mocha, him killing Zimri. So the Chedush Yalev said there was a kasha that I don't, at this point, Pinchas is full of anger to the to Zimri and the Jewish people for this tremendous Chil Hashem. And he's angry at the Jewish people also that they, they're, not, they're not being mocha, this terrible Chil Hashem that's happening in their midst. Yet, yet at that time of that anger, there's also a feeling of, how can I help my brother? How can I help Yisrael? So I'm going to put my life in danger. Because there's that Rabbeinu Bechaya that says Pinchas' life was in danger, so that's a key my mark of views in every year. So Pinchas' life was in danger, and he was willing to put his life in danger to this extent to, to do this killing before so there'll be a kapara. So the Rashida, the Chedusha Levan said, oh, look, it's a conflict in emotions. He's so angry at them that, that to the extent where he's able to be courageous, you know, can also do all that. But at the same time, he loves them. And then the answer is that it's not a stira. Like, 
was just uh, hearing. I remember like when the, there was a tragedy in the in the Pittsburgh shul or different different tragedies that happened to Klal Yisrael. Like sometimes uh, people have a have a a mechanism of, of first judging who the victim is to dare how much they should feel or shouldn't feel. Now, to the other extreme, to just feel and ignore, you know, if something's doing something wrong, I feel is wrong as well. But there's, there's a certain dimension, like, you know, I'm frustrated, like the way they're acting or, oh, you know, certain ways that are against the Torah or things like that, that, that get in on a certain feeling that make you feel uncomfortable about them. If, if by definition you don't have, a person doesn't have that reflex emotion of how can I help them? Then you have to really question what is that first emotion coming from? Because the, the shmooz, even though the shmooz was saying they're not in stira, I think the shmooz is another step that they come together. So if, if one's upset at a, at a kid or, or a teenager for acting a certain way, it doesn't have that reflex emotion of, okay, but what can I do to help him? I want to help him. So, so then, then it's really a, a pointer and a highlighter is, is that first feeling coming from this gross and the change of mind feeling, or is it coming from something else? And, and, and emotions are the hardest feelings to hide. You know, you, you, if you're honest with yourself, you know, you, you, could, you could think you're a great Jew, but, but when, when the great Jew has to have certain emotions, it's a certain wake-up call where you're really at. So, like, to me, like, I'm just, just wondering, like, is, is that, first of all, is that step, step true, Rebbe? Do you hear that? That, that if, if the feeling of, oh, what's this guy doing? It's, it's terrible. It doesn't have the reflex counter feeling. What can I do to help him? That there's something off with the first feeling? Um, I hear that. That was yeah. a question. I mean, it's very natural, um, you know, especially with somebody close to me. So it's reflection on me and it's, it gets so very personal for it to be purely for covet of Hashem, you know, that's a very high level. Um, many, many times we, we're very frustrated because we don't know how to help that, you know, exacerbates it because we think that we're supposed to or we have to and sometimes we have to be accepting the fact that there's nothing that much that I can do to help except just be patient and be be accepting and be believing in the person that they'll be able to help themselves um, so you know it's 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 really a mustaver that a lot of national emotions get mixed in I, I just had a thought going back on the uh, Mariba situation, the escalation, what plays into it. Uh, I think it's it's very worthwhile when we try to be aware of the aspects of a situation that are not so obvious. And really sometimes they're really very good. Like we would think like what's bothering me is the fact that somebody is beating me. Maybe, you know, he's, he's, he's not respecting me in the conversation. Someone's putting me down. But there could also be like the need of the positive that I'm not getting. Like I'm hoping to receive from him a kind of communication that shows that he values my opinion, that he wants to hear my opinion. And it's not just like the negative that I'm experiencing, but I'm also experiencing the lack of something that I really, you know, 
understandably want and need, very validly need, and that could also sort of play into it. So uh, we need to respect all our all our good needs and how they also impact us. Like this is this is this is a, a little piece in one of uh, Goldschmidt's forum at the son of your daughter. How uh, the husband is very upset that his wife uh, came late to their um, appointment to meet for lunch, and uh, he thinks that what's bothering him is just the disrespect that she didn't care to be on time for him and she got involved in some conversation with a friend of hers and, you know, was not respecting him. But really, a big part of what's bothering him is that he was looking forward to having that good time together and he's not going to be able to have it as he was hoping to have it. So, you know, I think it's... it's so uh, real men yeah, real men don't need that. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I factor in all these, you know, very valid, good needs of connection that we have and that they also play. The wife felt that way, but like the husband, I don't know. Yes, yes, yes. The husband too. That's his Kiddush to the husband. That you also were looking forward to that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's a, like a clear example in a way would be with, is with a child or, you know, trying to get your uh, attention and, and leaving without getting the full attention. There was no belittling there, but there's obviously a, he walks away with a, with a big disappointment. Right. Not easy to understand the power. No, so like, I don't know, this is just always like a circle that was the idea of being pushover versus standing up, versus yet loving shalom, avoiding machloka. It's like a circle that, that like, I don't know. It's also like connected a lot to what Rabbi Aryeh mentioned a couple of weeks ago about when you have different motivations for things. Like, it's just a circle that I, always, I, I personally think I've like struggled with a little bit. You know, I don't know. I just had a. <laughs> Thank you, Ari. So this oh. is like something that. You know, this, like it, it's like, I'll tell you where where it's hard for me also is is with with my children sometimes like, wanting them to have a backbone. You know, and then, like trying to develop to strengthen a backbone yet also strengthen a certain idea of, of unselfishness, you know, like that, that it's like a healthy backbone and being selfish are so, so like, like one of the two needles there, it's such, it's such a huge difference to be a unselfish person and, and be a selfish person are two like totally different human beings. Yet, yet those, and having no backbone, like, and being selfish to me is so intertwined and like so difficult, like to, to train others and myself in, into this, into like doing it in, you know, in just a healthy, positive, Evan Hashem Torah way. Help me out. You see having the backbone. Big struggle. You see having the backbone as making it harder to be uh, unselfish and giving or easier? 
Because because when yeah, please. I I I have seen okay. So this is what, this is the words I'm gonna say. I don't know. You 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 fit it into A or B. Uh, I I have seen that when people try to develop a backbone, what's really coming in is a person becoming more selfish. Do those words make sense? That is my experience in life. Not not for Derek Clow, not across the board, but but mm -hmm. a healthy road. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That when one develops a backbone, they are becoming selfish people. Is, is that I could be I could be wrong, and I'm okay with being wrong, I, I, and I would appreciate if, if I was wrong to be told so. But I'd also appreciate the positive that oh. yeah, Yoni, I, I know what you're saying. I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. What well, What was their past experience? Were they like this? Were they, were they essentially? Were they essentially respected and cared for and given to feel that their rights and feelings impossible. are valued? Impossible. 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 You can't know. Obviously, everybody has struggles. Impossible to know what their struggles were before they tried to develop this backbone. Impossible to know that without the backbone, they were living this tormented life at night. I, I don't know. But 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 I've 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 rarely seen a, a a someone strengthening their backbone yet yet being yet not turning into a selfish person. Well, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm just no. You're not crazy at all. And and I think it's a little scary in a way, because because before the backbone, there's a lot of problems as well. They're living with guilt every time they say no. They're living with guilt when they say yes. <laughs> you know. So again, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that. That the. I'm not trying to say one. One position is better than the other. And that's not my point. My point is, how does one develop as a human being and create a healthy sense of, of the ability to say no, yet be that giving person, yet be the person out there for other person, right? Because many times when a person has to say no, and if they if they're yes people. They, they, you know, there could be people who accept yes, they accept everything that comes their way, and then they're a nightmare to, to the people in their close circles because they just accept it too much. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say one way is better than the other. I'm trying to say, if we're trying, I'm trying to work on myself. Yona May wants to work on myself. I want to be able to help other people work on themselves. Healthy backbone, not selfish person. What, what would be step one? Because they have to understand that's part of the caring for themselves is to give themselves the very deep, rewarding feeling of being able to share and give to another person. That giving to another person is not self-sacrifice and self-negation. On the contrary, it is experienced naturally in a very gratifying and, and satisfying way so that you should be caring for yourself in the fullest way possible. I mean, not be a net, not just be controlled by other people, being the one who is choosing and judging honestly, correctly, sincerely. And one of the things that will contribute to your life very, very <laughs> powerfully in a good way is when you're able to share of your gifts and your talents and your time and your resources with other with people that are in need in that way, and we all work together. Okay, so We're a team, and it's just <laughs> lovely. 
So maybe, <laughs> so maybe, maybe I wasn't fair when I said the first step because maybe I'm asking for the first ten steps. But that, I, I'm aware of that of that knowledge, and I'm aware of that wisdom. And I, I think everyone who tries to strengthen their their backbone in a healthy way understands that and wants to do it in that way. But at the end of the day, this, the, the human being, you know, this might be blasphemy, but is very affected by their actions and how they, 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 what they actually do. And, and, and the problem is that the, the saying of no in, in, is, in, is just, it's so tied into me come first that the me for you it's a very difficult step. But now that I say it out, I'm, I'm going to say a comment. Tell me if you think it's, if it makes sense or fits into the circle. The no, saying no in the way of the me for you seems easier to do with the child than in any other relationship. Does that does circle wing make any sense? Or am I just a steer? That you can't answer. <laughs> Uh, can you tell us more why that would be? I think I think the answer is because the the what the the over yes to the child the 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 actual effects are very easily seen. Meaning, if I'm there taking care of everything to to the child to the degree where it's, it's higher than my actual capabilities then at the end of the day, if the child just does something wrong, it can be very easy to just scream, God forbid, at the child, right? So I think the danger of the yes to the results is, 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 is easier seen. It's not abstract. So Mamela, I think he's actually a good touch. So Mamela, the no coming from the me for you is, is very clear. I, I, no, I cannot do this right now. I'm sorry. I would love to do it. I really want to help you with this need, but I had a very long day. It's my first minute on the couch. I need it. I, I think it, it really could be viewed as a no for you because you've seen the, the, the reaction when, when it, you didn't do it. Is that possible? That makes sense. But yeah. in other relationships, when it's your sibling, when it's your parent, when it's your neighbor, when it's your chavusa, is the no for them as clear that it doesn't become a no for me? A lot of cobras. <laughs> um, well, Rabioni. Rabioni, I have a thought that I think is relevant. Um, no, 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 no. Just to me, to me, it seems like a good healthy starting point is if we have like a basic formula in our relationships that my needs are real, my needs are important, <clears throat> and I need to be respectful of my own needs. The other person's needs are real, they're important, and I want to be respectful of their needs. Neither of us is foolish, neither of us is crazy. Probably we're both coming from reasonable places. And then to go about like having a discussion about it. I think a lot of the conflicts of standing up, not standing up, how I should stand up, a lot of them result from like a starting point of like, who's the moron here? 
Like it's either me or the other person. Like whose needs are real, whose needs are important. And a lot of the conflicts and a lot of the complications come from like trying to figure out it's either me or it's the other person. So in a way, if we start out with, I care about me, I care about you, my needs are real, your needs are real, we're trying to work together. It doesn't solve the problems, but it creates like a healthy like context for a lot of these kind of discussions where we don't have to be minimizing our own needs in order to be giving value to the other person's needs. And we don't have to be minimizing their needs by giving value to our own needs. So it doesn't really solve the problem. I, I just think it, hel it helps in the conversation. Those are my thoughts. I, I don't have a question on it, but I will be honest. It, it didn't hit. It, okay, I appreciate it. I don't have a question on it, but I, I, I don't think it hit home yet. Uh, just tell me if, if this is an elementary way of saying what you're saying, that many conflicts is, is, is sorry, many conflicts has a starting point of right versus wrong as opposed to solution-based, or, or, or did I make it too elementary and I, I missed the point? Right. I think, I think what you're saying is true. Like, a lot of them start out with right versus wrong, as opposed to not only just being solution-based, but the recognition that usually both people are coming from a very reasonable place. And sometimes in order to stand up for ourselves, we have to be minimizing the other person's needs, that your needs are not important, and that's why I'm allowed to stand up for my own needs. Or my needs are not important, and that's why I have to stand, that's why I have to help you. As opposed to, like, if it's, if those are the two options, often we're not going to be comfortable with either of them. Because we don't, we're not so comfortable usually standing up for ourselves if what that means is that I'm saying you're not important. And we're not so comfortable helping the other person if what we're saying to ourselves is I'm not important. And we're certainly not so comfortable saying that my needs are foolish because, you know, so I think that, that's generally where a lot of this type of conflict comes from, where what allows me to stand up for myself is usually like I need to like justify it by saying that like your needs are not important. Like, but, but mom, I want a drink of water. Well, you shouldn't need a drink of water as opposed to I understand. <laughs> oh, oh, we froze. Excellent. So, in the way of the Masora, you know, you have to code word it. So, you're saying the seesaw story. Okay, very good. I get it a lot. And and I think that could be why, you know, a, diff, a different answer to to what I was saying. That I was just, that was just a shtick. Maybe like the child example is easier for me to do not not necessarily the story I said before, but it could be really a total of what you're saying that for whatever reason I have an ability to appreciate a child's needs more than any other person's needs for whatever reason why that is. So the mela the, the the conflict with the child always has this this background the way you're saying it as opposed to conflict with other people do not have that same starting point as the relationship I have with my child. Would that would 
you know, give a, would be another answer, maybe even the truer answer of why it's easier in that case. And, and it's definitely something I need to think about. And it's not the first time I heard you say it, but there's something different of how it was said this time, context to what may, maybe you always meant it this way, but something did hit me a little different that I think will help me be able to internalize it and understand it better without being what I'm you know, struggling with. I have a, are you on the edge of your seat or you just went closer to the computer? Yes, I'm on the edge of my seat because I have a question about this. I'm wondering what, what, what you and others will say. Yeah. Could it be helpful if I'm really curious to understand the nature of the other person's needs better? I don't just like look at the practical bottom line, you know, conflict between what he wants and what I want. But I really want to know like why that matters to them, why they need it, what that's all about, in a case where maybe it's not so obvious. So if I could ask the question where it won't be taken as like a way to get out of it, then it could be that, you know, I may discover that I want to be responsive to that because now I really understand better what it's all about. And if I'm really lucky, they'll reciprocate. And that will bring people together in a good way. Like, you know, like, right, Rabbi, so, so we, we, we may assume. Because I, I didn't understand the question. Very often, like, we assume that something maybe seems strange, not so reasonable. We don't really know what's really going on there. If we ask, if we probe, we try to get, get out into the open what really is behind the scenes, we could discover a lot about the other person that's, might be very meaningful to us. Like that, they maybe couldn't even have expressed themselves before we try to sincerely understand it. I don't know, my experience with probing, it hurts a lot. My, my experience with probing is it hurts a lot. It hurts the other person. They, they don't want to be probed. Well, it might depend on where it's coming from. Like, if it's coming from I a gen, people like being. <laughs> well, if it's coming from like a starting point of, like, I think you're crazy. Can you explain to me why you're not crazy? You know, that might be a little bit of a different perspective than, I know that you have a reasonable starting point, and I'm very confident in that. But it would help me if I understood it better. So it could be we generally start with the other starting point is like, as far as I know, where you're coming from sounds like ridiculous. So like, if you could help me understand why it's a little less ridiculous than I would then I'm understanding it to be, you know, that's a pretty hard conversation to have. But, um, and unfortunately it's hard. It's hard to not start out like that because that's generally it is hard to walk in someone else's shoes and to really understand where they're coming from. And especially if there's a conflict already that has begun. But if the starting point really as much as we can is the recognition that most people are coming from a reasonable place. We might not agree with their conclusions, but generally we're coming from a reasonable place. They're coming from a reasonable place. Our needs are real. Their needs are real. You know, it creates like a good kind of context for a discussion. Easier said than done, obviously. 
it helps to ask about feelings. How is this making you feel? Do you know, can you tell me why? Maybe they'll be able to share that. Okay. Thank um, you very much, everyone. Thank you for the uh, help. Now I got to take it going forward. Uh, just a thank quick you. question. I, you know, they're, they're, I've been involved in two, two different groups that have like a daily Chavetz Chaim learning, like the, these English Chavetz Chaim halachas, and like one's on a chat, and one's uh, you know in person, and like. You know, the idea of it's not in-depth learning or things, something like that, is the circle of the question. That, what I wanted to say, and something that just makes sense to you to you guys, that there's, the Chavaz Chaim itself says, is that there's two types of Dabe Lashnar. There's a cop, there's a group of speaker, people that speak Lashnar in the corners, and then someone speaks Lashnar. Is it possible that just to be able to simply remove myself from someone who's a over uh, like a cut of someone who just speaks Lashadara. So just a simple daily reminder is a way to move out of that person and then to really become, you know, someone who, who's mocked and really make tremendous strides and to, to really become the, to, to be Kona the Mida of a non-Balashadara. And Echanami takes all that, you know, effort and Musr and and depth and learning the halachos and all these other things that we were taught in yeshiva. Like, like do, do, do you hear that that there's something unique about Lashonara, which is just Dibor, which we do all the time, and there's such a hergo to it, that, that this simple type of reminder could be enough to to, to make massive changes that, that may, might not be true with other types of midos or, or things that we're dashed back able. Does, does anything I'm saying make sense? Does that circle make sense? A whole different thing is just on my mind a little bit. Definitely. Okay, thank you. So I didn't become superficial, or like... <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Fantastic. My boss, had, uh, he, he calls me one day. He's like, "I have a new job for you." So I said, "Okay, how much? You know, what's going to be my raise? New job? <laughs> I got to get paid more." It's like I want you to do chalos time daily after mincha and shul. We have a mincha minion at four o'clock. So I was like, "Oh wow, that's big. That's a big schlus that job. You don't have to pay me more for it. I'll just do it." <laughs> so we're up to day 13 I think it's, 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 it's just crazy it's just really helped there's been three or four concrete times where I, I just stopped myself from mom and say well that's right. I thought that was interesting and it's a very simple thing you create a chat of uh, you know five or six people that you just one guy just posts Allah, he read Allah, and I wonder how much it really might be able to work wonders. Make a chat with like we now do it on the family chat. Someone just put post one Allah for the whole time, and even if it doesn't work the whole day, even if it doesn't work for a half hour after you read it, maybe it works for five minutes after you read it. <laughs> Terrific, excellent. Um, can I go back to a conflict that you were saying? People who have a backbone. When they work on the backbone, they usually become more selfish in your experience. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Yeah. No, no, no I'm not asking. I wasn't <laughs> asking for anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, you will not give me an example. <laughs> um, 
No, so it's basically, I mean, it's a little bit of a catch-22. Not in the way that you were saying it, that uh, they're both important things and they conflict with each other, but usually if you have to start practicing how to say no, so that, so that means that you weren't saying no in normal situations beforehand. And then, I mean, and then it became like a little bit not manageable, in, you know, in your, in your life. Let, let's, say, let's say that's why someone's starting to practice to say no, right? Because it's just practically not working for him to keep on saying yes. So, but why has he always been saying yes in the past? because he thinks like he's really not allowed to say no it's like it's like a bad thing to say no or it's a selfish thing to say no so that's his starting point so when he starts practicing it he's not going to automatically change his thought about about what a no person is like that he thinks that someone who who says no he, he hasn't been doing it because he thinks it's a, he thinks it's bad for him to do it he thinks that to do it is selfish so yeah, obviously, if he's starting to practice to do it, it means that maybe he's coming to understand that it's not just a selfish thing. But at the same time, he didn't change. He can't change his whole outlook overnight. So when he's starting to do it somewhere, he's still when he while he's practicing it and pushing to do it, he still feels like it's selfish. He knows that it's important to work on, so he's doing it. But as long as he's as long as he hasn't like changed his mindset about it he's still like meaning he can't do it and not feel selfish like that awesome clarity. i don't know no no i, I think that's awesome clarity meaning like it's only as of running to davening doesn't have the, the running doesn't have a negative connotation it's just that i don't care that much about davening so if i run i'm gonna care more but here he the reason why I said yes, I'm, I'm just Chazik, I guess, for myself. No, I don't. I said, I, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I'm not sure. Uh, it was just. No, what I'm saying is, I'm not sure if. Um, yeah, either way, it's just a thought, so we can play with it. Right. No, I, I think it's awesome clarity that when he says no, by definition, he he's saying no, in an external point, and that external no has a, a correct meaning to it but he's still stuck in that emotional state of the no guy is selfish. And therefore that action of the no connects like to that emotional understanding more than it connects to the, 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 the proper way of saying no. Right. Like he's like, he, he feels like he's being mean. Like if you're a nice person and, and you care about other people, okay. you shouldn't be mean to them. So, so, he still kind of feels like he's being mean. He's, it's, it's, I mean, it, the reason, there's two possible reasons why he's practicing it, either because it's just, the other way is just not manageable. So like between being mean and between my life being manageable, I'll be mean. And it, like, that's, that's what I'm going to have to do. That's what I'm going to have to think. Or, or like, no, he really, he really does understand that it's, possible to be so to speak uh you know sticking up for his own best interests but but it's still hard for him not to relate to it as being mean 
like even if he even if he's trying to think about it as not being I don't know. I mean, it could be that person is so sincere that he won't become selfish. Uh, no, but, but, but what, what's curious is, so, so now what happens? I mean, like you move, like, let's say you're on one end of the spectrum. So even when you move like a drop in the other direction, you feel like you feel like you're being so, so extreme, even when you're not. Like, so now say, what happens? So, so, but I'm curious. So, so, so why? So, so what wins out? What, why does it? Why does it seem? Then that he becomes selfish if he's aware of, of of the of the like of the disgust or the uncomfortability of being that no person. Then, in a way, shouldn't that help him become the healthy no guy, as opposed to become the more selfish no person? Um. Yeah, I guess I'm not. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'm not sure. But somebody tells me you're right. I, I just not. No, but not, now that I think about it, I don't think. Meaning, it sounded more like too like psychologically like. I just, it could be maybe like the guy who broke out and starts saying no. It's like it's so it's like so awesome. <laughs> like he's finally getting able to be. He's finally like able to say no. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just gonna say like just no, no. <laughs> so, it's like such a thrill. So. <laughs> so maybe that makes them like selfish. I mean that that's totally not what I was saying before. But I don't know if I I don't know if I agree with what I was saying before. But I I think it could be someone with that like sophisticated self awareness that I know I feel like I'm being mean, but I'm really not. I'm just working to do the right thing, which is to say no. So like that kind of person like who has that like sophistication is probably not just going to become totally selfish but if it's more like a breakout thing like like i like someone basically just gave me the permission to say no like i never knew i could say no and then someone said yeah you're allowed to say no so it's like it's thrilling and the, so i don't know i, I think I'm someone talking told out, me, i'm just talking out loud. i don't thinking out loud i mean i think someone told me there was like a movie scene where someone said like the first lie like no one ever lied before, and he said a lie, and he's like, "Oh, this guy believes me," but he realizes the the, the brilliance of that he could actually lie to people, and, and he doesn't have that. Whatever. Um, I I think what you're saying is I'm not I'm not asking you to like consider it seriously. I just I'm thinking out loud. Uh, no, you could consider it seriously. <laughs> right. It no, was so let, it was just me funny to me the idea of someone who. Like basically, he just became enlightened that he's allowed to say no, and it's just very exciting. So maybe he overuses it. I don't know. Right, I'm still caught up with your first idea before the free for all no guy. So <laughs> the first idea, <laughs> the, the like another thing hit me a lot was that there was certain there was certain awkwardness to the to the backbone creation creator no person. Whoa. Meaning the person who was working on saying no, for some reason, their no wasn't the same as a, as like a healthy person who said no their, their whole life or knew how to say no in the proper situation. And I think maybe, maybe that, like the way you're saying it, is a very good husband to it because it's a no of conflict. It's, it's not a, a no of confidence. And it's, it's like just, it's a no with action without the meaning behind it. And Mimela just it comes across very awkward. Like a lot of times, like when people trying to improve 
their their shortcomings and flaws, they, they take external steps before the internal steps catch up and therefore creates like a lot of awkwardness at times. I have a couple of thoughts on, on your point, Tello. Um, that first, I, this is something that I've definitely struggled with myself in terms of saying no when it's appropriate. So, so I'll just talk about myself. When I found myself saying no about something that I never would have done before, so I expected to feel completely wrong because I always said yes because I thought that was the right thing to do, and now I'm saying no, and it's probably the wrong thing to do. But what I found is, I don't know if this would be considered cognitive dissonance, but I didn't want to be doing something wrong. And I was, I was saying no intentionally because I had decided it was the right thing to do. And it, it was hard to, I didn't really feel wrong in the end because, because what am I going to do? I'm gonna, what I just decided to do is going to be wrong. So I ended up finding why it was right. That was the first thought. And, and the second thought is noticing how often other people say no, and it just doesn't feel wrong when people say no to me. And then realizing, hey, I could just be that guy saying no to someone else, and it doesn't have to be wrong just because I didn't do what they wanted at the time they wanted it. And you feel, doesn't it sound reasonable also? Like, if my needs are important, so I should be able to take care of my needs as well at times or very often, right? I mean, it sounds like it's reasonable for it to often be the right thing to do to say that no really just means that my needs are important right now. And just because your needs are important doesn't mean that mine aren't. Like I think often being selfish really often means that I'm someone who's focused on my needs. That's a good thing very often. Like we're supposed to be focused on our needs. We need to take care of ourselves. So I think also like what you're saying before, Hillel, makes so much sense that if we're so often taught your needs are not important, your needs are not important, your needs are not important, we're probably going to build up so much resentment to that that probably if we are given like an opening that like, hey, you're allowed to take care of your needs. Like, there's probably a lot of resentment inside, you know, that's going to be relevant. You know, that's maybe going to come up where we're going to start to see, like, hey, I'm allowed to take care of myself. Like, hey, that makes sense. I need that. I want it. And Rabbi, you froze. We, we, we lost your mid-sentence. Okay, no, it all sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was clear. Many, many very good points. I think this this whole session evolved into you know much more than it was originally focusing on, but uh, really related, of course. But uh, you know, very broad and very important. Okay. Have a good night, everybody. Okay, have a good night, everybody.